Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one Get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. Welcome to the program. The number, if you want to join us, is 603-283-6160 at 603-283-6160. Open phones, as always. You can bring up anything you want coming up. Uh, we got some interesting stories on the way, including a, a Disneyland lockdown. We'll explain what happened to you uh, when we get the chance with you tonight? It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. And Bonnie, you wanted to talk about Pope Francis and what it is that he gets wrong about some specific topics, greed, hunger, and inflation. Yes, Pope Francis, the famous African-American baseball player in America. <laughs> now, is that Hold a on, real, what? Yeah, is that a real clip? I think it's real. So it what do you explain? Real. What do you what do you uh, about? Joe Biden was shaking the hands of Pope Francis like last week and he said, "You're the famous African American baseball player in America." Whatever that means. And you can read his lips and it really looks like he's saying it. It really does. Yeah, it's hard to know if it's, you know, with deep fakes or whatever, it's hard to know whether this is real or not, but given how <laughs> senile? Yeah, not with it. <laughs> Biden tends to be it it's believable. Poor Pop was a bad dude. (laughs) That's supposedly where he pooped his pants, too, so why not? Those are the allegations. What what about him pooping his pants? There's an allegation that the the meeting with the Pope had to be cut short, and they, like, cut the video feed or something like that because Biden allegedly did a number two. (laughs) Who's who's making this allegation? It was all over the place, uh, I don't know, 24 hours ago. Like, it was was trending on Twitter. I didn't, like, see I leave the show for, like, four days, and the president (laughs) poops his pants and calls the Pope a national athlete. Yeah, I don't don't know if there's any way to prove that this allegation (laughs) is true. However, it is not the first time. I'll say this. It's not the first allegation about Biden having a, a bit of a problem. I mean, look, he's... He's in his mid-70s, and I mean, that's not the oldest of old, but it's also not, you know, a strapping young man, and some elderly people have problems with their bowels, and and so there were rumors prior to this, prior to this weekend, that Biden wears adult diapers, okay. because he uh, he has a tendency to... Get excited? 
well, you know, to let loose on uh, on a number two. We can't, you know, we can't get too graphic here on the uh, on radio, but you know, he has a tendency to do those things uh, that some elderly people might do, and obviously, he's the president, so they don't want. I mean, that I don't to wanna, be clear to people. Yeah, I don't want to knock the guy from being for being old, right? But there's yeah. plenty of older people who take better care of themselves mentally and physically, like Ron Paul, who mm. don't wear adult diapers. Yeah, well, and Ron Donald, Paul's like riding a bike for miles a day or something. Last I heard, I don't know if he still does, but you know, within the last several years, he has. And say what you want about Donald Trump, but there was never an allegation that he pooped himself while talking <laughs> to the Pope. Okay, that's that's all I'm saying. You can say all kinds of things about him, right. but no one ever accused him of that. Well, and this is, you know, and you touched on the whole point of like, look, there's so many different things wrong with Joe Biden. Making yeah. fun of him for doing something that is not that uncommon with very elderly people. I mean, it's actually kind of sad. It's very sad. It's very sad. Although there was another funny one where, uh, do you remember the the picture, or not picture, it was like, it was like an 18 second video clip that came out last week where he was at a CNN town hall and he had his his fists clenched in front of him. Do you, no. you didn't see no. this? Oh, it was so funny. Why? What's funny about that? It's just funny looking. He's standing on a stage. Uh, for whatever reason, CNN keeps doing these town halls with Joe Biden, you know, every couple months. They or have no self-awareness of how bad he looks. Yeah. And it's like, it's just a gold mine to, you know, mine clips of Biden being completely clueless, stuttering, or, you know, looking like he doesn't know what he's talking about. In this case, he, he was just literally standing there as... The CNN host was asking him whatever he was asking him, and he just stood there with his fists clenched in front, both fists straight out in front of him, clenched. Like, some people took the image. Like, perhaps he was feeling a diaper? That oh, was God. one of the spe- <laughs> That was actually one of the things that people speculated, was that uh, that Biden was in the midst of doing his business. Babies do do that. Babies, like, you'll be like, oh my God, their cl- uh, fists are so <laughs> clenched, and you'll be like, oh. Now the funniest, the funniest uh, meme that I saw was the one where they turned him into Beavis from Beavis <laughs> and Butthead, like Cornholio. He looked like Cornholio in uh, in that moment. It was like 18 seconds long. He's just standing there with his fist clenched. And when I first saw it, I thought, oh, maybe he thinks he's like behind a podium, and he would normally have his his fists like resting on a podium or something. Maybe he's in his like podium stance there. But so, well, realize. balling your fists isn't exactly like a natural or relaxed position. Like I don't walk no, around how like this all day. It wasn't like, straight up. It was just more like um, like, like at a more, right angle, like at a right angle, straight out from your your body. Yeah. Well, you it's almost do, more awkward. You do sleep like that, are you? I, occasionally, <laughs> yeah, I do throw up the little fist of power in my sleep. Let's go to the phones here, uh, Greg. Did you? What do you think about these allegations with Joe Biden? I know that wasn't the reason you called in tonight, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason that came up here, so. Greg in New well, York. Well, well, I think our presidents are just getting better and better. I don't know. <laughs> I hope that in the future, elderly people are going to be really sharp. And, um, hey, say what you will, but uh, even Bernie Sanders is uh, older than Joe Biden, but he seems to be sharp. He rarely says stupid things. Oh, yeah. Might, well, yeah. I think, I mean, I think that he's way less like a, you know, senile old man. Yeah, well, he says stupid things, but they're stupid socialist uh, things. Yeah, that's, that's the point I was going to make. They're yeah. still stupid. They're just not senile. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, one yeah, thing's for sure. That's where I caught myself. I was like, stupid things. Well, we might disagree with the things, but the guy is at least very sharp. 
for yeah he can he can put a sentence together uh that much is true and and what we are definitely getting older and older presidents i think you guys pointed this out last night bonnie that uh biden is older than trump and older or trump was the oldest president so now biden is the new oldest president that the united states has had in its entire history and that's not a good thing not a good trend i just like to listen to ron paul and bernie sanders they're different on different parts of the spectrum but they kind of all they say the same thing and stay consistent for decades and you can tell they care and they have principles so you may disagree with what they say but i like their um you know their genuineness basically so greg uh you're the founder of intercoin at intercoin.org we mentioned a few times over the last few days that intercoin is kind of getting to uh tomorrow i I, from what i understand a fairly big milestone in its uh developmental history do you want to tell us what that is oh yeah so uh tomorrow we're gonna poop our pants no i'm kidding about that (laughs) um although maybe no basically (laughs) i hope not too okay so tomorrow Intercoin, I should say the ITR token, is going to go on an exchange. So that's right. You will be able to trade the ITR token, buy it and sell it if you go on that exchange. And that exchange is a centralized exchange, which happens to be right now the fees are very high on Ethereum. So having a centralized exchange, which doesn't even really check KYC and other things like that for the most part, uh, seems to be a pretty good um, venue, I guess, uh, and that's only the beginning. So that's tomorrow. You, uh, people will be able to go and trade ITR finally. So the ITR that is the Intercoin Investor Token, correct? That's correct. Yeah, so and this inter- is. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is in relation to the whole Intercoin project? Because Intercoin, sure. uh, the idea behind Intercoin is to help companies and and uh, organizations launch their own token right that's kind of the basics yeah like we've spoken to so many organizations and people when they understand wait a moment i can have my own coin and you know my previous company made uh, your own app so all together you can have your own app your own coin your own community they start to see the reason why they'd want to have that like one reason is if you had a coin let's say for free talk live or something like that to be able to reward people for bringing other people to watch, or maybe you could reward them for listening to the show. That's just some examples of like helping to reward the kind of behavior you would like to see that might spread the ideas of liberty to others, and you reward them with a coin that may or may not be worth something in the future. That's just an example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, Intercoin is launching on an exchange. If you want, hang on, Greg. We'll uh, we'll continue here in a moment. We'll talk about why this you know it's a big deal. I so. think a free talk live coin sounds cool. Yeah, people have talked about that for a long time, and I've been pretty reticent to do it. Of course, now I'm prohibited from uh, from doing anything with that idea. But uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You could do it, Bonnie, if you wanted to. I just could instruct you to. <laughs> There's more coming up here in a moment. This is Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. The number here is 603-283-6160. If you want to join us, you can do that. And you can bring up anything you want. Coming up, are people more likely to be pessimistic? That is a story that 
Both you and I actually selected Aria on our own volition. Well, we both tend to be optimistic, so when we see something like that, it catches our attention. Yep, that's absolutely true. So we can talk about that, plus uh, Bonnie's story about the Pope, uh, since we just were talking about him a moment ago with Biden meeting the Pope, and then allegedly, some people say, um, well letting a number two go uh, in his pants. I realize why I didn't hear about any of this, and it's because it was Halloween, so people, my primary access to memes is Facebook, so people Mm. were just posting pictures of Halloween costumes and Halloween parties and stuff. All of my friends missed this important stuff of President Poopy Pants. Really? (laughs) We'll uh, continue here. Uh, And, of course, your calls and thoughts are welcome. Also, Greg is on the line with us from intercoin.org. And, Greg, you're announcing the uh, the big news starting – is there a specific time uh, tomorrow when – this new exchange, or not, I guess not new exchange, but this exchange that is a newly announcing that uh, Intercoin's investor token will be available for trading, uh, which is, by the way, the exchange is XMarkets, exmarkets.com. Uh, they're going to feature this. Do you have like a uh, you know start time? Well, I think the listing, as I've been told that listings uh, say they're going to open at a certain point, but sometimes it takes a couple hours longer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anytime that, Tomorrow, you want to pop on over to exmarkets.com. You could create an account. Uh, it costs you nothing. Um, pretty much don't have to put up, I don't think, any information, although I don't know exactly how they run it. And then what happened is that they are going to open a, um, a trading pair, actually three trading pairs. ITR is going to be trading against USDT, mm-hmm. which is the tether. Uh, it's going to be trading against the BTC, Bitcoin. And ETH, Ethereum. Nice. So okay. whatever you've got. Options. Go pop That's on nice. there and Yep. And That's one way to get in a coin. And actually, Greg, I signed up with EX Markets uh, a couple days ago and yeah, they, they didn't ask me anything. I was pretty amazed uh, that they there was not even any sort of hoops whatsoever besides I think it was what, email is what they wanted you? Yeah. Well, if they don't Except fiat currency, I don't. I think they have a way of getting around all of that KYC stuff, right? Maybe, but still, some of them, you know, want to do KYC, and sure. these guys you don't could, care. You could withdraw like a hundred bitcoins a day. Yeah, so there's a huge level of withdrawal that, like, if you had that many bitcoins, you could do that uh, with X markets without any know your customer process. So that's pretty cool. Also, other exchanges. You all might want to look at, not for Intercoin, but in general, KuCoin has no KYC. Poloniex okay. has I've no I've used KYC. KuCoin in the past. Obviously, I can't you know, use them now. Uh, because they, of bail restrictions. Right. But, th- I mean, they were okay, but they had uh, cash-out minimums where if you wanted to move like 0.01 Ethereum or whatever, they wouldn't let you. Mm. You, you had to buy an additional 0.03 Ethereum or whatever before they would actually let you withdraw it. Gotcha. What else, Greg? Uh, well, yeah. So basically, Intercoin, um, like uh, you, you started asking, what is this Intercoin ecosystem? And I kind of wanted to take a step back and explain why we started the project and why we have two separate tokens, the Intercoin investor token, and then the actual Intercoin, which will be launching hopefully next year. Um, so we kind of started all this, as you know, because crypto has been around for a long time. You know, it's been around for 10 years, and we still think that it's kind of an early technology because if you look around, people aren't actually using it in everyday life. You know, you go to a restaurant, you're not paying with crypto. 
Well, unless you live in Keene, New Hampshire. I mean, you're, you're, what you're saying is true in most places. We're the exception to, uh, to that rule. We live here in Crypto Mecca, where uh, literally today another restaurateur in town just informed me, or bar owner informed me that uh, she has installed a crypto wallet. So uh, we, we may be adding a, another bar to our roster. Of, That's good because we lost yeah, one. Yeah. Well, it moved to a different location, but either either way, we we've got that here, Greg. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just wanted to point out that's not true everywhere. Uh, but go ahead. Not true everywhere. But even let's take the mecca, the you know the center of it, because I've been to Keene. I've mm-hmm. visited you guys, and okay. So what happened was we go to a restaurant, and that's an option. You can use it among other options. But then, how are you paying? Are you paying on chain on layer one? Meaning, are you using Bitcoin? specifically or are you uh, no it's most process? people pay with bitcoin cash or dash those are the number one and number two most used so it is on chain layer one the original cryptocurrencies no silly lightning network nonsense uh just straight up crypto payments i suspect the only businesses in town that accept cryptocurrency that are actually getting bitcoin is going to be like wilder automotive and the yeah. dentist yeah for Mighty sure Moose Marts. The, the big really the, for bitcoin you actually bitcoin? pay bitcoin Wow, that's got to be rare. I know that according to the AnyPay numbers, it's solidly Bitcoin Cash and and Dash are number one and number two by like at least numbers, if not. Well, volume. the owner is a maximalist. That's true. That's true. He likes to say he's a rationalist. <laughs> but is he actually uh, like someone coming in and buying like a dollar candy bar and using Bitcoin? No, I would definitely say it's way more BCH. But I've definitely also accepted BCH is Bitcoin BTC Cash. BTC there. Gotcha. That's surprising. Yeah, yeah, it is. Go ahead, Greg. So you were saying. So BCH uh, correctly read the title of Satoshi's white paper, which is supposed to be a peer-to-peer cash system. Right. Um, but what do you suppose would happen if not just Keene, New Hampshire, but everyone started using layer one Bitcoin transactions? You can only have about 10 per second or something like that. I think BCH so increased its uh, block size to 32 megabytes, if I recall correctly. It's fairly large now by comparison, and maybe it's... I don't know what it is right offhand, but it's a lot more than the original one megabyte block size that the uh, Bitcoin blockchain is stuck on, which which restricts the original Bitcoin to like seven transactions a second, I think, maximum. Uh, so uh, in theory, what the uh, you know Dash and Bitcoin Cash and those guys would do would be to just keep increasing the block size. I think this uh, is the one thing that Bitcoin SV did correctly, was mm-hmm. just removing the block size limit entirely. If did they mind, remove it? They did. Okay. It, it's determined now not by you know this this artificial hard cap, but however mm-hmm. many transactions a given miner can fit in a single block in ten minutes or whatever. Yeah, without yeah. being beaten by someone else claiming those transactions, it's how many they can fit in there. Mm. So let's look at that. The architecture of having everything on one blockchain. Essentially, what happens is that um, okay, so you have thirty-two times more space now, but that's still only about I don't know. 200 transactions per second. Now, yeah, you're going to need a lot more to get up to Visa or MasterCard or PayPal processing levels. There's no doubt about that. Right. And the thing is, it's because it does solve the double spend problem, but it solves it in a a very brute force way. Blockchain basically says, hey, why don't we just take all transactions that just happened in the world in the last 10 minutes, put them in one place, and then see if there's any double spend. Right. So that's clearly like a bottleneck. Basically, the miner has to be aware of every single transaction in the world. Otherwise, it doesn't get on recorded on the chain. So you're saying Intercoin is proposing to do something about this? 
Absolutely. All right, stand by, Greg. If you've got, if you've got time, we'll, uh, we'll continue because I'm curious to what that's going to be. Because right now, the Intercoin Investor Token is just another Ethereum token. So, what has he got, uh, you know, cooked up, or what are they working on? The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And if you want to talk about crazy fees, the Ethereum network is way crazier than Bitcoin now. More coming up. Free Talk Live. When a lunar observatory detects a radio broadcast originating from Proxima Centauri, the nations of Earth discover their first contact with an alien race may also be their last. With the Proximans facing an extinction-level disaster, Earth must choose between sending a ship on a multi-year journey or allowing nature to take its course. Saving Proxima, a hard science fiction thriller by Travis S. Taylor and Les Johnson. From BaneBooks.com. It is Free Talk Live. You can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And we are streaming video over on Odyssey, as well as some other platforms. But those other platforms, you just can't trust them. Uh, they will likely cut us off at some point. Some of them already have. And so we never know when we're going to be on or off those other platforms. But Odyssey seems pretty darn reliable. They're, they were created by Library. Now, actually, since I think the last few days, they technically uh, have, what's the word, a corporate like sell-off. or se- they've, they've schismed, basically. Uh, really? Library Library said, all right, well... Odyssey should be its own corporation, basically. I don't know what the, the best word for that is, but uh, they, they're not mad at each other or anything like that. They just, uh, uh, library just determined that Odyssey kind of has to do different things in order to be more competitive with YouTube, that the library didn't really like dovetail completely with library's mission of total decentralization because I guess Odyssey has, you know, for like their live streaming there's a centralized streaming server that they're using. Sure. And, and there I, are rules and stuff. Yeah, and there's some rules there. And uh and and so they're using some centralized solutions. So I heard Jeremy Kaufman from Odyssey Library talking about on a recent interview that they do use centralized content servers on Odyssey to serve just the normal video playback as well. But if those servers fail, then they fall back to library. So it's still relies on library as a as a back end but not the main uh back end so it sounds like they've taken some uh, some different directions with uh, with the odyssey platform so library said you know what it'd be better off if we were separate and we could still work together just not be the same company anymore basically sounds so. like a smart approach to it yeah so we're streaming over there and that is the best platform on which you can watch free talk live and you can do that go to video.freetalklive.com you'll find our odyssey channel there be sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button i think it's i think they call it following on odyssey head over there to video.freetalklive.com as we go back to greg the founder of intercoin over at intercoin.org and you were just kind of explaining to us what some of the vision is for uh, the future of intercoin and you know allowing people to create their own token and you were discussing how right now one of the frustrating uh, factors with some cryptocurrencies is once they grow too large they can't handle the network uh, transactions any anymore like bitcoin it's it's full now they could increase the block size but they haven't and so bitcoin tends to uh you know have some fairly high fees nowhere near as high as ethereum these days which is we just checked the uh, the fee charts a moment ago and it's like 
at least 27 bucks on a median uh, fee just to send some Ethereum. So it's completely out of the realm of, you know, the average person. And you can really basically, you, you're only, in a, you know, you can only afford it if you're a whale uh, to, to be on the Ethereum network. So it seems to me pretty obvious that the future of Intercoin, if it is indeed something that people are going to be using, could not possibly be on the Ethereum network. Is that your plan? What, what's, uh, what you got cooking? That's exactly right. Ethereum right now has just got the name recognition. Frankly, I don't know why anybody would want to be on the Ethereum network when there are so many other networks like Binance Smart Chain, like Polygon Matic, like Cardano, Solana, and others that also will support the EVM, and some already do. And, uh, you know, they're pretty decentralized. I've looked at the, uh, the way they are working with DPoS. And Ethereum's moving there too, but they're already there. So, so what would your answer point. to that question be? If you don't see why anyone want to be on the anyone would want to be on the Ethereum network, why did you choose to put the Intercoin Investor Token on the Ethereum network? Well, in our case, it was because the X Markets Exchange, for example, and other exchanges uh, simply do not interoperate sometimes with the other networks yet. Uh, we started Intercoin back in 2017, right. 2018. Back then, there was nothing in town except maybe Tron. Um, so and the fees on Ethereum at that time weren't crazy. That's right. But you're going to see this on any blockchain because it's not just about moving from one state to the next. It's also about storing the entire state. I'm not talking about the history, like when you, when you have a full node and you're storing all the history. I'm talking about just storing the latest values. If you have to store every value, every balance and every variable and every um, smart contract, that's a lot of storage. And I give the example of BitTorrent. If BitTorrent had to seed every single file on every single movie entire, across the entire network, it would be unworkable. So you need sharding at the very least. You need to partition the network into parts that are independent that's s-h-a-r-d not to be confused <laughs> with what joe biden might have done earlier uh last week just want to clarify go ahead <laughs> no no that's very good actually gives a new meaning to yes we might actually poop our pants in the near future oh when we goodness. do starting uh so basically okay so, but what does that mean for Intercoin? I mean, what is sharding in relation to how does that help with the amount of, I mean, without getting too technical, because I feel like we're, right. we're cross, we may be co coming close to crossing that line here. Uh, what does that mean for, you know, the average person as far as uh, making things work faster? Sure. It's very simple. First of all, you all were just talking about um, library and Odyssey. What do you like about it? The fact that it's decentralized, permissionless, and you can't take things down, right? So you have access to your stuff with your private key, and the network kind of just has a few little things that it enforces, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So essentially, um, look at what happens, though, at the architecture. So the architecture of library allows you to have all these different videos. Um, with Bitcoin and blockchain in general, it's a different architecture. So there's a bottleneck somewhere. And usually the bottleneck is the miner. Uh, the miner must be aware of every transaction in the world. Otherwise, it doesn't get into the, you know, the block. Mm -hmm. So Intercoin simply notices that if you had community coins, let's say you had each city had its own coin, like uh, New York City coin, Miami coin, which is, by the way, a thing now with city coins. Um, 
So it's digital, yes, but also you don't have to look for a double spend between New York City coin and Miami coin. New York City coin can be in its own uh, environment and Miami coin can be in its own. And there was even a proposal in the days, you might remember, with colored coins on the Bitcoin network that was similar to that. In other words, never do the twain meet. Mm-hmm. And so if each coin can live on its own, say, virtual ledger, okay, then the double spend problem can be petitioned. You can have petitions corresponding to each coin, and each coin can have its own policies even. And then you have the intercoin network, which is the internet of coins. So in a sense, intercoin is building the same thing that the internet did with local networks, where right now I could be on my network, you could be on your network, but we don't have to worry about it. There's all these applications that help us communicate without having to worry about the fact that we're all on different networks. It just seems to work. Like so the idea is that like cities could have their coins, a town, could, you know, a town or whatever can have its own coin, a group, a corporation or something can have its own coin, and the more coins, the better. So instead of this sort of Bitcoin maximalist view, which is Bitcoin can do it all, everyone will be using Bitcoin in the future. There's no need for any alternatives. You're saying, no, actually, we need to have a ton of alternatives, but there needs to be a way for them to easily interact without like some sort of centralized architecture of an exchange. Is that kind of what I'm understanding? Exactly. I would say this is what the libertarian ethos is all about. Everyone can have their own instead of one size fits all, and they can all interact together without having one group of humans in charge of everything, like Mark Zuckerberg or mm-hmm. something like that. So that's why Library and Odyssey are so cool. And that's what we want with Intercoin. Yeah, we don't want one currency with one monetary policy of minting every 10 minutes or becoming more scarce, because then why would you buy anything? And so there are three disciplines. It's a multidisciplinary project. Technology, which I've been talking about, is just one thing. The other two are economics and regulation. So I think these are very interesting to talk about because it's not just the regulators are evil or something like that. But they are. (laughs) They certainly are. (laughs) Hang on, Greg. One more segment here. We got a little bit of time. And I think I appreciate you staying on here with us to to try to dig in a little bit deeper as to what Intercoin is all about. It's coming a little more clear, I think, for me at this point. The number here, 603-283-6160. Maybe you've got a question uh, for Greg. 603-283-6160. And uh, we'll talk more about the Intercoin Investor Token coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. The number here, if you want to join in, is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We're on with the founder of Intercoin. He's Greg. The website is intercoin.org. And what I like about what Greg is saying here is, is basically he's embracing the whole crazy number of cryptos out there situation which is the situation that we we have where there's literally like i think according to coin market cap last time i looked over 10,000 if not 11,000 uh, cryptocurrencies i think coin gecko these are two different websites that that track these things does that count like all the ethereum tokens it does count a lot of the tokens i mean you can't count all of these things mm-hmm. because it's just an impossibility oh th- correction 13,440 
uh, is currently listed over at CoinMarketCap. And, and that's you're making a good point, Bonnie, is a lot of these things are Ethereum tokens, which is not the same thing as a cryptocurrency. A cryptocurrency is kind of like its own self-contained system. It needs to have usually miners or some, some sort of system to uh, protect itself from getting hacked and, uh, and you know, continue on. Whereas a, a token doesn't require any of that. It just, the, there's these different cryptos like Ethereum, and Greg mentioned a few others, uh, Bitcoin Cash, I think, Solana, and some of these other ones, Tron, where if you want to, you can just go and create whatever token you want to in like five minutes. And, and that's what he's proposing for Intercoin. And this line of conversation has got me curious, Greg. Um, what mechanisms do you have in place to keep the Intercoin network from being as congested with just nonsense, useless tokens like has happened to the Ethereum network and these other networks? That's a fantastic question. Um, first of all, I just want to say besides the technology, you also have the economic and the regulatory issues that I just wanted to explore uh, while we have the time. But when it comes to the technology, I will say that at the very least, each coin would live on its own network and um, you could theoretically split up ethereum based on smart contracts and say this smart contract is supported is uh, secured by these computers and that smart contract is supported uh, and secured by those computers so hold on but you're then, not talking about tokens then you're you're saying that whatever coins are connected to intercoin will be their own cryptocurrencies they'll have their own network i want to say right now because of the time that we have to talk that right now Intercoin is built on the Ethereum virtual machine, the EVM, and it can run on much faster blockchains like Binance Smart Chain that just has a billion dollar fund to support development there. Also Polygon Matic, and even Cardano is going to have an Ethereum compatible layer. So in a way, it's like writing in Java. Everyone who creates their operating system wants the Java applications to run on their system. So we're application developers at the moment, we're not building the operating systems yet. Just like Google built, you know, first a bunch of applications and only later created the Android operating system and their own phones. But it didn't do it from day one. Well, they didn't create Android. They bought it out, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, but then they pretty much uh, took it over. By the way, and, Google uh, is now investing in, I uh, just read this story before the show, Digital Currency Group, which is the uh, investor group that owns a piece of a lot of different crypto companies out there, including Coindesk, uh, which is one of the uh, crypto news outlets, and also Blockstream, which is the company that's been pimping the Bitcoin Lightning uh, so-called technology. And so now Google has a piece of that action. Sounds like they're being evil. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, all right, uh, Greg, I don't know, if, did you get your question answered, Aria? I don't think he was addressing my question. I think he was just going back to the points he wanted to make prior well, to Well, I'll try to address your question directly, Aria. Basically, communities are actual communities that may already exist or they may be new projects. So take, for example, cities or universities or, you know, um, cruise ships or anything like that, they already exist. So having an existing economy that's monetized and becomes a smart economy is what Intercoin is all about. I haven't talked on this right now. I haven't talked much beyond cryptocurrency, but we also help with voting, decision-making, governance. We also help with the community making decisions. So it's really a libertarian project allowing the communities to have the tools to get their stuff done without waiting for central banks, and without waiting for uh, not NGOs to you know, try to save them, you can airdrop money 
to Haiti after an earthquake because the Haiti community coin, you can just inject capital into it and you can see how the money is going to be spent statistically as opposed to having absolutely no idea where your money's going. That's that, pretty those cool. are just some examples. Yeah, go ahead, Glenn. That's a pretty cool idea that reminds me of the Acoin city the Acon's trying to make. Maybe you could help him with that. Absolutely. I had some people that suggested that. We actually, um, I don't want to mention right now until we have it signed, but certain things, if you go to intercoin.org, you'll see we have stateless people around the world that we're helping. There's a group of 3 million stateless people. There's a tribe in the Congo as well. There's another group that's about 3 million people. And we're also working on getting New York City coin because I live in New York City and it's dear to my heart to have a New York City coin that we can actually give a universal basic income in the coin and so it can stay in the city. That's another thing. If you have your own currency, your currency doesn't have to leave your community and therefore people have to spend it on local labor and local restaurants and support their local economy as opposed to if you gave the UBI in federal dollars, which is currently the case, it will leave the city because the city is only 1% or less of the whole world. So pretty much people go on eBay and they'll travel. And, do and the UBI in this case would be a voluntary choice because you would be choosing to support it by using the New York City coin, whereas you could use something else if you didn't want to support the UBI, which is, uh, what the hell does that stand for again? Universal Basic Thanks. Income. Universal Basic Income. <laughs> we actually started calling it the VBI because it's the Voluntary Basic Income. Oh, I like that. That's very nice. All right, so Greg, uh, this is so, so for for people that want to get the investor token, what does that mean for them? What does that mean for the future of of Intercoin? So Intercoin has two different tokens. The investor token is issued and sold by the company, and you can trade it, and you do buy it in order to receive uh, potentially dividends from the sale of the autonomous token, the reserve currency Intercoin that will be launched in the future. Intercoin uh, itself. Uh, is going to be an autonomous uh, token. It's not issued by the team. It's not sold into the market by the investors. Instead, the investors hold the ITR token. And the reason we did this is because there's a certain um, uh, mismatch between the early backers of a project, the investors, and the public that uses it. Intercoin is supposed to be bought by communities. It's supposed to be used as reserve currency by communities. And it's also supposed to settle trade balances between communities. So we want the investors and speculators to stay out of it. And we actually would like them to get dividends from the sale of it. So they're interested in getting it sold, but they're not actually actively dumping the price or anything like that. Whereas most of these projects, including big ones like Telegram or Kick Messenger, had huge IPOs of $2 billion and $700 million, respectively. They actually got stopped by the SEC because... It's not just with the regulators. What are you doing? You're creating a coin that you're saying is going to go up in price and you could go up in price. and That's why people buy it. But then at some point, you're trying to turn that into a stable cryptocurrency where it, it's stable in price. How is something going to go up in price but also remain the same in price? So we realized that we need two different tokens. The investors get one and the autonomous token is the one that's supposed to have a reliable um, community reserves. That's so basically what Intercoin is. The investor token is the one that is in existence today, and that's the one that will be available on the X Markets Exchange. That's exmarkets.com starting sometime, would you say, in the next 24 hours or so, basically, unless something goes wrong? 
Yeah, I think that's safe to say. So if you okay. want to like invest in the future of Intercoin, either because you think that this thing is going to go to the moon or maybe because you think that, because um, it might, it might not, I don't know. But the other thing is if you just want to invest in helping the world have a more libertarian version of money than just Bitcoin, because let me ask you, as libertarians, what would you rather have? One coin, one size fits all? With no, we want choices. Oh, coins. Options. Yeah, we want choices. Exactly, and so do I. And I think that together we can build a world where each community cannot just have a coin, but they can govern themselves, they can attract interest to their cause, and at the same time, when it comes time to pay between communities, we can have something like the Internet. I just want to say one last thing about that. All right, fast. Right now, yeah, right now we're in the, like, the era of computers would be mainframes. So paying gas on Ethereum is just like renting time on a mainframe. You've got mm. these punch cards, and you have to, like, really, like, scrunch down your code to fit. That's the era we have today. And how did we get to an era where everyone's addicted to their phones? It's because you got personal computers and the internet. That's what Intercoin is trying to do. It's trying to make it accessible to yeah, That's everyone. an interesting, interesting analogy to suggest that right now, like as far as technology is concerned, cryptocurrency is in the mainframe stage. Like it's really, really, really early. Uh, so neat things need to be built. And Intercoin sounds like it could be one of those things. Uh, thanks, Greg, for the call. And check out exmarkets.com for that uh, offering that should be very, very soon. We'll let you know. More coming up. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. Coming up here tonight, we can talk about Pope. And what he gets wrong on a few different issues that Bonnie wanted to share. Also, pessimism. Are people pessimistic more so than they are optimistic? Aria, you've got that story, and I got the same one. Uh, Plus, your phone calls and thoughts about whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And a uh, mayoral candidate planning to turn New York City, since we just had Greg on from Intercoin. He's in New York City, was talking about launching a city coin, a New York City coin. Of course, there's already been a Miami coin that came out earlier this year. And apparently he's been doing fairly well. Now, I have not looked in on it in uh, the last several weeks, but it came out, I think, like a couple months ago. This and is the first I've heard of it. Yeah, it's um, – I forget what platform it's based on. It's a, Of course, it's a token, a crypto token of some sort, but it's it's on one of the newer token platforms. Okay. And uh, it 
it raised like millions of dollars for the city of Miami. Now, that's not nothing that excites me personally because I don't want to see governments getting even more money because you know the Miami city government isn't going to say, oh, hey, look at all these millions we got in from this crypto. We're cutting property taxes. You know, Sadly. they're not. Gonna, yeah, they're not going to do that. They're going to take that money and they're going to spend it all because that's what governments do. They're never going to lower taxes. Like if if there actually was a city that said, hey, we're issuing our own crypto token and for every dollar's worth of, you know, tokens that get sold, we're going to go ahead and lower the property tax or get rid of sales tax or whatever. If Wait, they wasn't could, this a whole point of lotteries, though? To lower taxes? Yeah. Yeah, never happened, did it? No. no. Like, hey, well, it's a voluntary tax on the gullible, basically. Yeah. But yeah, it just turned out to be an additional money-raising scheme for these states to implement them. Well, as- I've never even heard that, that that was the original goal. Yeah, the old claim was they were going to use it to pay for the schools. Yeah. For and, the children. And then what they would do... Which would have been fine, yeah. you know. Well, and then what they would do, if I recall correctly, and feel free to call in and correct me if I'm wrong on this, was they would put the lotto money to the school budget and then just use the other money from the schools for something else. So it's not like they would actually reduce the size of the government or, you know, even things out. It's like, oh, more money. We'll spend it. So, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I can't get excited about these city coins unless there actually was a city that said, you know what? We'll, fo- we'll fund ourselves completely voluntarily if we can through this coin. Now, that would be something worth talking about. That would be like, oh my God, I might want to move there. You know, like if there was actually a city that uh, had no confiscatory taxation scheme and actually funded itself voluntarily, that would actually be the libertarian city. It would be. It's also never going to, well, unlikely to ever exist. <laughs> not not anytime yeah. soon. Uh, but let's go to your phone calls and thoughts. Dave Ridley's on the line and he is from RidleyReport.com. Go ahead, Dave. I have great news. Uh, New Hampshire has seceded. What? Really? Well, not in uh, all the respects that we might want it to. But uh, apparently, so the uh, New Hampshire, New Hampshire's like chapter or like New Hampshire's, I guess some of their school boards have withdrawn from uh, a, a national school board organization because of its advocacy for labeling parents as domestic terrorists. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, so I'm looking up the details here. This is according to Gateway Pundit, uh, and I managed to lose my place right before I went on the air. Now, they're not uh, saying so that all parents are domestic terrorists. Is it only certain parents that have certain beliefs? Well, you've heard this, I mean, this national story, you know, about the Department of Justice or, you know, some some branch. Hmm? You still there? Dave? Uh-oh. I thought it had something to do with critical race theory. I, I didn't think it had anything to do with... Um... Can you hear me now? We have you yeah. now, yes. Okay, man. sorry about that. So, the, you know, there was this national story where this, uh, some, some Fed agency was labeling, trying to label uh, angry parents as domestic terrorists because they were showing up at school board meetings and complaining and whatnot. Oh, okay. So just any angry parent. Okay, got it. Well, I don't know which parents precisely they were, mm-hmm. you know, they were targeting, but, you know there was just this federal claim that some parents were domestic terrorists, right? Hmm. So, um, or they, they would be classified as domestic terrorists. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. Okay, here it is. Get the gateway pundit.com. Uh, so it's, uh, New Hampshire and Pennsylvania join Ohio, Missouri, and withdraw from the national school board association over letter labeling parents, domestic terrorists, unquote. 
Okay. Well, that's good news. I mean, most of the time school boards are completely useless and I, you know, really have no interest in whatsoever in what they're doing because you really can't change them in any meaningful sense unless you have a significant number of people come to these like school board, what do they have? There's this once a year meeting here in, uh, in Keene that happens where if you've got enough people, you could maybe stop them from raising the budget, but you really can't do much else uh, to 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 stop this insane process of government education, it has to be stopped on a legislative level if we're going to end government schools. So, like, even spending time and effort on the school board, we tried for years here in in Keene. It's just it we all gave up after. I mean, like Rochelle a Kelly, who was one of the parents who took their kids to the playground in Concord, she was actually on the school board right. of the school boards, and she got ousted or censured or something. I don't remember exactly why. Right, because she got arrested for taking her kids to the playground. Yeah, so, and I mean, she was on the school board, and they still managed to just completely disregard everything she had to say. Yeah, school boards suck. I mean, I'm glad to hear that they, you know, some of them did something right, uh, Dave, but uh, that's really, you know, Uh, it's hard to really care. I have the exact quote here. It says, uh, uh, this email, quote, this email is to inform you that the NHSBA has decided to withdraw its membership from the National School Boards Association effective immediately. NBA's recent actions have made our continued membership untenable. And uh, unquote. Uh, and and the, the article says, quote, the National School Board was so outraged that parents were speaking out in defense of their children that they shamelessly urged the DOJ to use the Patriot Act, among other enforceable actions against them, unquote. Yeah, well, just another reason why parents ought to get their kids the hell out of government schools entirely. You're never going to change them. You, the only way to you know keep your kids safe from this insanity and this brainwashing is to keep them out. Ridley's uh, story does sound. I mean, is you know, I'm optimistic about it, at least just hearing that we're you know one tiny step less part of the federal government in New Hampshire. True, but it's probably a private association. It's probably not even a governmental agency. You know, it's like the school board association. It's sort of like, sounds like a union, basically, Mm. of school boards uh, in that way. I thought you said federal. Yeah, it's a national organization, sort of like the National Education Association, which is the teachers union. Um, That's my understanding of it. But uh, Ridley, anything else you want to share? Yeah, this clarifies a little bit more about it. Um, The, um, let's see, I lost my place again. The uh, quote, the uh, the New Hampshire School Boards Association is the latest to leave the NSBA after it sent a letter to Biden that begs him to use federal law enforcement agencies against parents and investigate them for domestic terrorism and hate crimes threats, unquote. Yeah, the National School Boards Association is a nonprofit educational organization operating as a federation of state associations of school boards. So it's the largest group of school boards in the united states and so the new hampshire association of school boards left that group and i would rather they announced they were going to abolish themselves but you know (laughs) this is okay thanks dave for the call tonight man i appreciate it uh the number here is 603-283-6160 but you you will never change these organizations as as a parent or even a group of concerned parents because they are not easy to change they're not designed to be a, a change i remember when we were looking at people running for school board here in Keene, which is something that some of the free staters did several years back for a number of years. And then we just dropped the whole thing because it was just so pointless. Like, well, you got to focus your efforts, right? And even if we managed to get, you know, some number of libertarians or free staters on school boards, 
we'd, we'd have to have a majority on one of them in order to accomplish anything. Well, there's that, but even then you still couldn't really accomplish that much because, again, all these things are authorized at the, the state level. So, mm. you know, you can't just, the school board can't abolish itself. Uh, and there was actually some stupid rule, like, that you have to vote on things. Like, if you actually did get on the school board and some issue comes up, and you, let's say you, you know, you didn't want to vote on that. Like, they force you to have a vote or something. Like, you're, it's your obligation by swearing to the school board that you'll you'll vote on everything that they, they put in front of you. Just vote no on everything. Yeah, but that doesn't always work, depending on the issue. So, it was, I just forget exactly what it was, but it was just like some insanely restrictive thing on your freedom to choose. More coming up. Free Talk Live, you join us. If you want, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything that's on your mind at 603-283-6160. Are people more pessimistic than they are optimistic? We'll look into that coming up here in moments. And also, Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. Had a uh, local business owner call me up today to ask some questions about cryptocurrency. More people are getting interested than ever before, and... Just yesterday, according to Captain Kickass on last night's show, uh, apparently Halloween was the very day that Satoshi Nakamoto announced the Bitcoin white paper back in 2008. So it I is now it was sometime in November. Apparently, it was Halloween. Okay. At least that's what they were celebrating Bitcoin. yesterday. Bitcoin.com was saying that yesterday. So. Yeah, I saw it in more than one place yesterday, so it must be a thing. Uh, so that's another good thing to celebrate on, on Halloween is, uh, is Bitcoin's kind of birthday, at least the, uh, the birthday publicly of the idea. And then it wasn't until I think like January 4th until the, the Bitcoin network actually came online and you could start mining it and, and join it. And uh, so, yeah, 13 years from the Bitcoin white paper. We've hit that mark, and that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I was going to say it is the 13th birthday, so it will be unlucky for one year. I doubt that. I <laughs> it doesn't look like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, anything can happen. We don't know. But uh, right now, Bitcoin's real strong. It's over $60,000 per unit. Uh, it hit an all-time high just, uh, what, two weeks ago or something like that of $67,000. I recently so. found out about a website that actually live tracks the amount of money you would have now or how valuable your Bitcoin would be if on April the 15th you had used your stimulus check to buy Bitcoin. You mean in 2020's April the 15th? Yes. It's over $12,000, right? I think the last I saw it was a screenshot of like 10,800 or it, something it like that. It must have been like 12 when it was 67 or something like that, yeah. 67,000. Either way, it's it's phenomenal. It's 10x. Growth. It's roughly 10x yeah. from from if you if you did as I think we all suggested that you do. I know for sure I suggested it. Yeah. I hope people out there listened, but I doubt it. Well, it's still not too late. Uh, you can go to bitcoin.com Get the basics down about cryptocurrency. There's some important ideas that you should learn about, like decentralization. Why is money better when it's in a decentralized form? What does that mean? Distributed. What's that all about? Uh, so learn the basics about crypto. Hit Get Started at the top of the page over at Bitcoin.com. You can also go to their news site over at news.bitcoin.com. And that is where you will find the latest news headlines updated every single day. This one is actually a few weeks old, but I've been holding on to it. And since we were talking a little bit about New York City with Greg from Intercoin, I thought this was an interesting story at news.bitcoin.com. They reported that uh, Curtis Sliwa is the candidate for New York City mayor. Now, he's not the incumbent, right? It's always hard to beat the incumbent. 
Uh, he said that he will make this uh, the New York City the most cryptocurrency-friendly city in the United States if he is elected. He, now, how he'll do that, I'm not really sure. Aren't they currently uh, like one of the most unfriendly? New York State specifically is the most unfriendly place for cryptocurrency businesses. Not businesses okay. accepting crypto, like here in Keene, where you know there's several restaurants and a dentist and a doctor and you know a car repair place that accept crypto. You can still, as I understand it, I'm not a lawyer, so you know this isn't legal advice. But as I understand it, if you're just a business and you want to accept crypto from customers, that's not regulated in New York State. But if okay. you're like a cryptocurrency exchange, like a Coinbase, or you want to do something like that you're just all crypto, that's your business, kind of exchanging things or whatever, um, then there's severe regulations. New York has New York State has what's called the Bit License, and that's now been in place, I think, since around 2015 or 2016, so like half a decade. And only a few companies have been able to actually navigate the Bit License hoops in order to get one of these things. It's like a, at least a $100,000 fee. You've got to have, you know, lawyers. You've got to fill out, you know, God knows how many forms and ridiculous hoop jumping in order to have a chance at getting approved. Are That's, you saying New York is the most restricted place on earth? Or just no, the most restricted No, I think you might state. get put to death if oh, you use in Bitcoin like in like Turkey or something like that. But uh, China, That's not what Mark said. Mark yeah, told Mark, me... The Bitcoin was everywhere. And he sent me a picture of this thing that said, like, use BitPay at a restaurant. Where was this at? In Turkey. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because I'd heard that Turkey outlawed it. But, but in China, uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. China's China did outlaw it. So, restricted. you know, you might go to prison um, in, you know, parts of China, maybe all of China. But but at least in the United States, New York is the most China-like mm. of, uh, of the rest of the states. So not a real good place for operating a, a crypto-oriented business in general. But... Curtis Sliwa says he wants to make New York City the most cryptocurrency-friendly place in the United States. Now, uh, this guy, a lot of people in New York City know who he is. Now, we, you guys have probably never heard of him. I've right? never heard of him. Uh, he wears a beret. He wears this red beret, and he actually founded a group, I think, years ago, or was co-founder of it, called like the Guardian Angels, if I recall correctly. They actually don't mention that here in this particular... Oh, yeah, no, they do mention it. Okay, it's... Uh, a nonprofit organization of unarmed crime prevention. So back when New York City was sort of known as like a crime capital where there was all kinds of violent crime happening, this guy was a founder of a group that kind of stood up against that somehow. Now, I don't know okay. all the history of it, but he's also a talk show host. I've seen him at like the talk radio conventions or whatever. He's on like the big talk station, uh, one of the big talk stations there in New York City. He's kind of made the rounds to, to the different stations. So he's well known. I would say, you know, he's got a chance. To possibly win this election. Of course, again, he's up against an incumbent. Uh, he tweeted Wednesday or a few weeks ago, quote, as New York City mayor, I'll make New York City the most cryptocurrency friendly city in the nation. Property taxes, fines and fees will be payable in crypto. We'll open more crypto ATMs and incentivize businesses to accept crypto. We must modernize our economy and make it accessible for all. I mean, most of that sounds good, but I don't see why anyone would want to pay fines or taxes or any of these other things in cryptocurrency. No, no. You use the crappy government money to pay the government. Right. You keep the good money and use it to pay your fellow citizens. Yeah, exactly. Now, on the other hand, if all you have is cryptocurrency, well, then you might want to pay property taxes in cryptocurrency. Like, if it were an option. I mean, ideally, I don't want to have dollars. 
Like right. to me, dollars are haram, as uh, you know the Muslims would say. It is forbidden. Uh, essentially, this is an evil currency. Now, property taxes are evil as well, but we know that they're going to do violence against us if we don't pay it. So most people, they do what they're told. Yeah, but it's like paying double property taxes if you pay them in cryptocurrencies and then it goes up immediately. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But my, my point is if all you have is cryptocurrency, then sure. you don't want to have dollars. Well, then you so. buy some dollars to pay your. Yeah, but I don't want to. Ha- I don't want to touch the dollars. <laughs> like if I can pay in cryptocurrency, I'm going to pay. In cri- I can't right now because of the bail conditions I'm on. But I mean, in an ideal uh, world, I I would you know do as Bonnie said and purchase some dollars and give those to the government mm-hmm. so that you know it gets its own useless currency back. Yeah. And someone else gets the cryptocurrency to do something positive with it. That's a good point to keep it out of their hands. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Instead of you know the government developing a way where it can use bitcoin to buy bombs or whatever it's Mm. still stuck using the dirty fiat because no one is giving them the the good stuff the good money apparently he's not the only one though uh there's another guy running for mayor former police officer eric adams promised that new york will be the center of all technology including the center of bitcoins and apparently he won the democratic mayoral primary while sliwa prevailed in the republican mayoral primary oh wow so maybe the current mayor isn't actually running Maybe there is no incumbent. In so this both race. both candidates are like are pro talking about Bitcoin. Okay, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Uh, doesn't make me want to move to New York City, though. I'll tell you that. Nor do I even want to visit New York City anymore with all the stupid mask mandates and all their vaccine passport nonsense. They're going to have a tough time attracting people to come to this city, uh, even with Bitcoin acceptance. More coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. When Monster Hunter International discovers one of Isaac Newton's wardstones being auctioned off, they decide to steal it and use it to destroy the Chaos God once and for all. But a mysterious thief upends their plan, and it soon becomes a race against time as something much older and infinitely more evil awakens in the jungles of South America. Monster Hunter Bloodlines by New York Times bestselling author Larry Correa and Bane Books. Visit MonsterHunterNation.com for more. Yeah! It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here and bring up what you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We'll talk about pessimism coming up here uh, in a bit. Plus the Pope and what he gets wrong when it comes to greed, hunger, and inflation. Those are all stuff that we got on deck with you in the studio tonight. It's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. And don't forget, you can join us online. Just head over to freetalklive.com. We've got archives there. You can, I would recommend, subscribe to our podcast. That's the easiest way to receive Free Talk Live archives, and they just come straight into your podcast client. You don't have to think about it. But if you just want to go and click and download an episode anytime, you can go to freetalklive.com. There's a little podcast widget on the left-hand side of the page, or if you're on mobile, you'll have to scroll down a little ways uh, to find it. But just click the share button, and then the download link will appear. This little icon. So there's the share icon and then the download icon, and boom, there you go. You just downloaded the uh, the latest episode or episodes of Free Talk Live. We're going to go to uh, your calls and thoughts. Shane is on the line in West Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Shane. Uh, yes, sir. I was just wondering how to uh, switch my uh, currency over from Coinbase to Edge. Well, that's a good question. I mean, obviously, we can't give, like, detailed technical support on a national radio show but basically what you're referring to so our listeners who are maybe completely new to crypto understand 
is Coinbase is a centralized exchange, which means it's owned by a corporation and they control the keys, what are called the private keys to your cryptocurrency wallet. So if you have Bitcoin that you've purchased with Coinbase or something else like Shiba Inu or Bitcoin Cash, they've got a bunch of different options there. If you've got that stuff on Coinbase, remember, you don't actually have control over the over that crypto unless you withdraw it from Coinbase to your own personal wallet, which is your own wallet where you're in custody of your, your crypto keys. And Edge allows you to do that. There's some other great wallets out there that do the same thing, like Exodus Wallet. That's another good one that I, I like a lot. These are wallets that they don't know who you are. Whereas Coinbase, when you sign up for Coinbase, they want to know what your social security number is. They want your ID. They want to have access to your bank account. Whereas, Well, there's no reason for the individual wallet like Exodus or the non-custodial wallet to know who you are because they're just applications. Correct. They're just interfaces that you use to interact with the blockchain. Precisely. And they're both multi-cryptos, so you can have different cryptos on Edge or Exodus or whatever. So if you've downloaded the Edge wallet for your phone, when you set these things up, they always give you backup information. You write down that information, put it in a very safe place because you don't want to break your phone, right? Like eventually phones break. They drop, they fall, they fall in, you know, toilets or lakes or whatever. And then, you know, your crypto would be gone forever. That is one of the benefits of the Edge wallet in in particular Mm -hmm. is that, you know, it uses a username, password, PIN number, login system because Edge does have some sort of centralized server or something like that. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but if you if you just completely lose your device and haven't backed anything up, as long as you know your username and password, you can still get into it and recover your funds. Yeah, as I understand it, Edge does some sort of fancy cryptographic hashing with your username and password that somehow, even if their server's down, that'll still work to unlock your wallet. But I don't know exactly how to explain <laughs> explain that. I know Paul Pway from Edge has told us on the air how that is like a thing. But it's been well. There's a lot of people out years. there who are smarter than I am yeah. who are working on these things. Yeah, it's so. been it's been years <laughs> since I've heard the actual explanation for that. It's like, what happens if your server goes down? Well, he had an answer for it. Um, so you install the Edge wallet, you do the backup phrase, and then all you got to do is get your crypto address. So if it's Bitcoin BTC that you bought on Coinbase, you get your Bitcoin BTC address from Edge, and you put it into your uh, your Coinbase. However, the hell you do that because I haven't been on Coinbase in years now since they banned me years ago. Um, and you put it in uh, to Coinbase as your withdrawal. So and then they just send it to you. I don't well, know how long they take. Well, they don't just send it to you. They say, "Hey, this is going to take three to five business days." <laughs> is it that bad? Uh, it's it's been a long yes, time for myself is. as well. Go ahead, Shane. I said yes, it is. It's uh, it, it's a pain in the butt to uh, pull the funds back yeah they don't want you to to leave their service they don't want you to take your uh, crypto off of their service because you know it's valuable to them they want to hold on to it they want you to forget your password or you know i guess you can recover your password with coinbase but they you know they want you to lose access to your account you know or or die off i don't know if they're that evil but they (laughs) definitely do want to maintain control of your funds maybe they're investing it without your knowledge or something Mm -hmm. like that well they just want to be the banks controlling your money for you on your behalf for your own best interests good chain there's fees going in and there's fees coming out. Well, that's always true. Whenever you send cryptocurrency to anybody anywhere, with the with a very few exceptions, all cryptos have a fee to send. Uh, and so you usually don't there's no fees to receive cryptos with a with a wallet like Edge, but if you want to send 
a donation to you know somebody or you want to buy a product, you always have to add a little bit more on for the fees. Now, with, with most cryptos like Bitcoin Cash or Dash, the fee is very, very small. It's not even worth talking about. It's, it's so small. But with something like Ethereum or with Bitcoin BTC, well, now you're getting into a, a notable fee range, especially with Ethereum, which is like 20 to $50, according to the charts right now, to send an Ethereum transaction. So watch out for that one. And a decent wallet will do this for you. It will add in the transaction fees and all of that for you so that you don't have to calculate them. I know that like Parity, which is sort of a Firefox extension kind of thing, it forces you to actually calculate those yourself. And that's mm. how you end up pe- with people sending like 34,000 Ethereum on accident oh and gas God. fees in order to send like 0.1 Ethereum because they have a typo or something <sighs> like that. But a good wallet like Edge or Exodus will handle those things for you automatically. They still have ways where you can adjust them, if I recall yeah, correctly. There's, there's like an ad, an advanced menu or whatever. When you go and send on Edge, you, you have to like click the dots or something, and then you can you can adjust it. Shane, I hope we answered at least uh, to some extent your question. Now, yes, sir. Y'all sure did. I appreciate y'all's help. Y'all Thanks, have a man. good evening. Good luck. Thanks for the call tonight. appreciate it. Yeah, so not your keys, not your coins. That's one of those important phrases to know when it comes to cryptocurrency. If you don't have the backup phrase, or in the case of Edge Wallet, it's a word, username and password, but with most wallets like Exodus, it's like a 12-word or an 18-word or 24-word series of words. If you, didn't, if you didn't get that when you started your wallet, you don't have the keys. You can get the password phrases from Edge, too. You yes, can. you can. There's a more advanced way of doing that with Edge. You're absolutely right. And for the uh, the power user, I would recommend taking that extra step, but it's not truly necessary with Edge because they've done a pretty good job of they've making, been reliable. It, making it newbie-proof. But it's basically. supposed to be like if, you know, all Worst the internet scenario. goes down. Yeah. <laughs> that would be helpful in that case. Uh, but, of course, if the whole internet goes down, your crypto really isn't very useful in that case. So, Well, well just if Edge back. servers go down. Yeah, supposedly the wallets would, would work, I guess, if Edge's servers went down. Although they also have... What is the type? There's there's another type of server that they do rely on because you're not using a full node. Anyway, getting too technical, but um, if you don't have backup information, you don't have control over your wallets. You've got a non you've got a wallet that's uh, that's custody is being operated by somebody who's not you, and that is and a you don't dangerous. Want that. Yeah, it's a dangerous situation. Whether it's because Coinbase will turn over your wallet uh, or your your crypto to the government, which they could, Seems- or not unlikely or they just get hacked or they go out of business tomorrow or something like that like you know any of those things are a possibility and it sounds very possible and interesting that you said maybe they're investing it behind your back because you know like with gold uh those companies that say that they're holding your gold for you sometimes they'll be like okay we'll give it to you but take a long time because they have to acquire they the have gold to get the gold back maybe yeah. they're doing that with some of these exchanges that is a very real possibility bunny in fact i heard a rumor and i have not checked this for myself but i heard a rumor that somewhere deep in the terms of service that you know no one reads come on you didn't actually read the Coinbase Terms of Service, right? Hell no. Yeah. Somewhere <laughs> in those Terms of Service, it says that if you if you want to withdraw from Coinbase, and if it serves Coinbase to do so, they can settle with you in U.S. dollars if they want to. Now, I don't know if that's true. That's yeah. just what I've heard, but it wouldn't surprise me if it were true. It would be annoying. Like, oh, well, we know you wanted the Bitcoin, but... 
you know, Section 57Z of our terms of service says that if we have a tough time giving you the Bitcoin, we can just give you the equivalent amount in dollars. So here you go. That'd be a real bummer, wouldn't it? Not what you want out of a yeah. cryptocurrency no, exchange. Definitely not. Uh, there's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. We've been talking about some crypto stuff on the way. We'll talk about pessimism versus optimism and uh, some critiques of the Pope. Uh, That's all coming up here. But since we've been talking crypto, I've got another story related to New York that I've been holding on to for a little bit. And and that is uh, another example of how heavy-handed the state of New York is when it comes to cryptocurrency businesses. Uh, There's some states like New Hampshire and Wyoming, which are two of the best states uh, in which to run a cryptocurrency-related business as far as, you know, if you're... I'm not just talking about businesses accepting crypto. I mean, like, crypto's what you do. Like, you're making a new exchange or something like that you've got some sort of crypto tech uh, that you're working on like library for instance is based here uh, in new hampshire there's a reason for that Uh, there's a reason why the founder of ravencoin bruce fenton moved up to new hampshire from massachusetts oh really i didn't know that you didn't know that no i love ravencoin yeah bruce is a really cool guy he threw uh, a cryptocurrency conference like four years in a row Oh, I didn't I, know he I, lived in New Hampshire. That's he's, awesome. He's out on the seacoast. Um, I think that they only stopped the crypto conference last year because of COVID. So I don't know if they're going to bring it back this year. It usually happens around this time. Uh, we we broadcast from that event for like three or four years. So that was cool. before I moved here, though. Okay, that makes sense. But still, Ravencoin is awesome. It's one of the few X16R tokens, which means CPU mineable and still GPU mineable, designed to be resistant to ASICs and all of this stuff that, you know, is actually worth your time. To just have a GPU sitting back there mining Ravencoin. Of course, I can't do this now, but I did spend the better part of the last two years just having a PC sitting there mining Ravencoin. Why is it bad for other cryptos to have a CPU mining? Oh, Raven is CPU mining, right? Right. Yeah, so that means you can you can mine it with a laptop computer or you know a desktop computer or something. I mean, you obviously, if you have special. a GPU, you're going to do better. Yeah, but you can still just use a CPU. But I thought you could do use a CPU for anything. No, to mine anything. Some things like Bitcoin, for instance, in, you could not do. In oh. theory, you could, but you're never going to actually be the one who mines a block using a laptop anymore because it's too slow. Basically, it doesn't because have the, what it takes. The space is super competitive. I mean, mm-hmm. an ASIC costs like twelve to seventeen thousand dollars, and the cost of mining a single block at this point is like five thousand to eight thousand dollars, or something like that. I mean, you're not getting something like that on a laptop. People are competing for the bitcoins, and to do that, they wanted faster and better computers so mm-hmm. they could be the first one to them. An ASIC is a specially designed chip that. That is exists for one purpose, yeah, which is just to mine it. Bitcoin. Wow! Uh, and so some coins like Raven are what you called ASIC resistant, which actually they don't want ASICs entering their competition. They want the average person to be able to to participate in mining. Nice. And I think Monero's one of those as well, if I recall correctly. But I'm not one hundred. It may be not be CPU, but it might be GPU, meaning that you have to use a graphics card. I don't know uh, if it's ASIC sure. resistant. But I know that there are plenty of Monero pools where you can contribute, you know, a really small amount of mm-hmm. hash power, which is, you know, computing power. Right. And still get some sort of reward from it. Yeah. 
So if you're planning on setting up like a mining farm or mining operation or a cryptocurrency exchange, you don't want to do it in New York. And that's why when you try to join certain websites, like Shapeshift, for instance, I believe still does this, if I recall correctly, at least as of the last time I was there, which is sometime last year. Uh, if you If an IP address is detected... By Shapeshift that is in New York, they'll tell you, sorry, we, we're not going to serve you. Wow. And I think even local Bitcoins ended up doing that after some amount of time, where if you were IP checked to be in New York or Washington State or something, that they just would not do business with you because those are two of the worst states when it comes to crypto regulations. Man, this the whole show tonight has made me realize just how much I miss being able to use cryptocurrency, man. It's so frustrating. I like I was on the phone with this business owner today here in Keene, longtime uh, business owner, big big, you know, name in the area, and she had questions for me. I'm like, "Well, I can answer your questions. I just can't actually like help you test it out right like right. i can't send you a free like normally if a business owner wanted to get a crypto wallet set up i'd, I'd send them their first hundred dollars worth of crypto just to say hey welcome aboard and and here test it out you can see what this is like and try you know see what the price does over time i can't do that now so i, I feel like i'm crippled uh from being able to do my mission which is to help people come I mean, on it's got to be worse for you than it is for me but like for the last two years the vast majority of things that i've done on a day-to-day basis involved cryptocurrency yeah. you know for the last seven months or so, I've just been sort of not thinking about it, not dealing with it. But tonight, I'm sitting here, I'm like, Man. you know, I actually legitimately miss it. Yeah, I know it made feeling. life so much easier. Yeah, and it was so so much fun too. It was uh, fun. And they've just stripped that away from us simply because we've been charged with some, you know, victimless financial quote unquote crimes. So um, here's another example for you. New York Attorney General's office has issued or alleged unnamed crypto lending platforms operating in the state have engaged in unlawful activities and have ordered three others to provide information on their business. In a recent announcement, the Attorney General's office in New York said it has ordered two crypto lending platforms that they redacted the names of from the uh, the press release to, quote, cease any and all such activity, unquote, relating to selling or offering securities and commodities within 10 days. The Attorney General Letitia James also requested that three other businesses, also names redacted, provide details on their lending products, policies, procedures, clients in the state, and other relevant information. It's going to be really funny when these entities turn out to be DeFi organizations, decentralized finance organizations, and there's no one for the state of New York to actually send these stupid letters to. Well, that would be funny, but they're likely targeting companies like Nexo and Celsius Mm. and other organizations like those. Those are the two biggest, from what I understand. BlockFi is another one. In fact, uh, New Jersey recently ordered BlockFi to stop offering its lending product in New Jersey. And uh, New Jersey also recently piled on and hit Celsius with similar actions in, uh, in one day, telling them to cease and desist and ordered them to appear in court saying, quote, if you sell securities in New Jersey, you need to comply with New Jersey's securities laws. But they're not selling anything in New Jersey, they just have customers in New Jersey. That's good enough for the New Jersey gang. But that's not the way it works. Well, right? Like if when someone, they throw their weight around, they're going to do what they're told. If someone from California buys a guitar from me, I didn't sell a guitar in California. Mm-hmm. I sold a guitar in New Hampshire. Your customer, the customer may have bought a guitar in California, but they bought it from someone in New Hampshire. 
Most of these companies are not going to want to, you know, argue these points. They're well, they just should gonna, because yeah, that's the logical, sensible approach here. <laughs> and if the law isn't logical and sensible, then throw it out. They're just going to do what they're told, even though, as Cointelegraph reports, the request for information from the three companies wasn't even legally binding. But the New York Attorney General's office left the door open to serving them a subpoena in the letter. The order to shut down operations is backed by the state's Martin Act, which grants the AG the enforcement power to bring civil or criminal charges against unregistered securities uh, offerings. Now, I am not like a stocks expert or a finance expert or whatever, but as I understand, a security is something that like a company sells that could go up in value, right? Like it's like these tokens that they have are called securities tokens where you're buying a token from a company on the expectation that it'll go up and it'll give you like a piece of the action, basically. I don't, Isn't that what it is? I don't know. I, I remember when the SEC first went after library, I tried to look into what a security was and all of these other things because it was the Security and Exchange Commission that went after library. And it's still going after them. And within like three minutes of the first paragraph of this explanation from one of these websites designed to, you know, make it simple to understand, I was just totally lost. Yeah, it is hard to understand these things. What are securities and investing? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Tradable financial assets such as equities or fixed income instruments that are purchased with the intention of holding them for investment. See, but, but then you have to know what an equity is and what a what fixed a, income yeah. instrument is. So you have to look those up, and then they're going to also have confusing definitions that you have to look up. Right. And it's just a rabbit hole. Yeah, and that's the idea, is to make it as confusing as possible so you have to hire an attorney to be able to give you an answer as to what they might mean. But even when you do that, you always have to remember the attorney is only giving you an opinion. Right? right, attorneys have opinions on the law. They can't know for sure what it says. They just have their best guess. The attorney's like, I think this is what it's saying, right. and then the government's attorney is like, Well, we think this is what it's saying. And then you have to go to another attorney in a robe to figure it out. Yeah, and for whatever reason, that attorney is the magical one who gets to determine what it actually says. And Unless it you take it to the other attorneys that are above him in the robes, and then they make a different decision and overturn the first attorney in a robe. But then you could take it to the nine attorneys that are in the robes above them, and then they might make a final decision. Until, of course, a different person takes a similar case up to the nine people in the robes. And then, since they're different people, they make a different decision and overturn the previous decision. Yeah. And there's no better way. This is how it has to be. This is the best system in the world. Yeah. I mean, thank thank goodness for this wonderful judicial system we have. <laughs> what, what would we do without it? Anyway, keep your crypto businesses out of New York and New Jersey. These places hate cryptocurrency. They're trying to shut down simple, like, you know, earn interest on your crypto operations. That's who they're targeting. Now, there's more coming up here. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. 
thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live This is Free Talk Live You can bring up anything you want here Number 603-283-6160 That's 603-283-6160 Coming up, we can talk about uh, what Pope Pope Francis gets wrong about greed, hunger, and inflation. This is a story that Bonnie brought in to share tonight from the Foundation for Economic Education. But first, uh, Aria, you got something about pessimism. And as you said earlier, you and I tend to be optimists, and Bonnie, I think you are as well. Uh, So we're all three optimists here on the show tonight, and this caught my eye, the headline did. What's the story? Well, do people naturally expect good things in their life and shoo away the thought of negative events? The theory that most people have a bias towards thinking optimistically is a common one. For instance, the UK government even accounts for this supposed bias while planning large infrastructure projects. Now, however, new research is calling the claim into serious question. In fact, researchers from the University of Bath say people may be naturally pessimistic after all. People have blamed, quote, irrational optimism bias for any number of issues over the years, including financial crises, climate change in action, and on an individual level, a person's failure to properly look after their own health. So they're saying the reasons that people don't look after their own health or the reason that we saw the 2007 recession or no one doing anything about climate change is that we're optimistically thinking, oh, well, things will work out just fine. Most of the time they do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> But it's that's not the ultimate reason for all of that. See, we're the rare ones in being mm-hmm. the optimists who think, yeah, this it's going to be fine. One way or the other, it's going to be fine. When you're always expecting things to go your way... Where's why, your, sorry, where's your story coming from, by the way? Drudge Report. Drudge Report, okay. When you're always expecting things to go your way, why plan for the worst-case scenario? I would say that Ian, at least, I've noticed, he doesn't necessarily always say everything's going to be fine. He says... No point in worrying about it. And that's uh, kind of an approach I've tried to take on. Well, because it's inevitable that in life there are going to be downs, right? Like in order to have the experience of an up, you have to also have the experience of being down. There has to be some sort of negative. There has to be a bad uh, time in order for you to really be able to appreciate what the good times are like. This is the the contrast of the world that we live in. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. so if you understand that those times are going to come or the black swan events or whatever, that uh, there was a book that somebody sent me when I was in jail the first time uh, for civil disobedience back a decade ago. I read this book and it's like, well, we know that black swan events are going to happen. And what a black swan event is, is a black swan is a very rare kind of swan, right? Like sure. most swans are white swans, but every now and then there's this black swan. And so this, they were, the analogy is that this is also true of, of life. You know, there's the sort of the expected events and then there's the unexpected events that can totally change something like – you know, the stock market crash or whatever it it might be. But that's not to say that these events are unpredictable. 
in that we know there are going to be wild, crazy things that happen. We just don't know exactly what they are or exactly when uh, they might strike, but we know they're going to happen. So you just have to know that everything's going to, for the most part, work out okay, uh, because, well, that's just sort of the history of of things. That's sort of the nature of things, is that even when bad things happen, there's always silver linings and, and good things that grow out of them. Every end is a new beginning. I really hate this question, though. When you're always expecting things to go your way, why plan for the worst-case scenario? Just because I'm no an optimist doesn't mean that I don't plan for the worst-case scenario. Yeah. You know, I, I expect bad things to happen, and I plan for the eventuality that you know I can anticipate some amount of bad things happening and have a plan in place for when those bad things do, in fact, happen. Right. That doesn't mean I'm pessimistic. It means I'm realistic. I, I I know that things are going to be okay, but there are going to be some bumps along the way that I have to be able to plan around. Yeah, the question indicates a lack of understanding by the whoever it is that wrote this particular story, um, because they're they're describing more of like a Pollyanna syndrome of the belief that everything's always fine. You know, like there's nothing ever that goes wrong, and that's not true. Yeah, that's not optimism at all. No, that's just ignorance. So this new study uncovers serious serious flaws in the previous research that supported this idea over the years. Researchers explained that those studies erroneously generated, quote, false positives or data patterns that falsely suggest people are being overly optimistic. The team conducted several experiments to reach these conclusions, all of which used, quote, the update method. First, the approach asked participants to estimate their odds of experiencing a life event. Next, each person reassesses their chances after finding out the average person's actual odds of experiencing that event. So like a car accident or being struck by mm-hmm. lightning or whatever, they would ask the average person to, what, what do you think the chances are of this happening to you? The average mm-hmm. person would, you know, spit out a number and they say, well, this is how often it actually happens to people. Mm-hmm. And then it would see how they change their number. <clears throat> Most of the time, scientists study this effect with negative events, such as receiving a diagnosis for a serious illness or getting a divorce. Interestingly, both of the examples I came up with were also generally negative events. Getting struck by lightning, getting hit by a car. I didn't ask anything about, you know, finding a million dollars on the hmm. side of the street or whatever. This time, so the question itself sort of tends toward negativity. Yeah. yeah, I immediately started thinking negative things too. Right. Well, how many studies have ever been done on finding money in the street? I mean, that's just not something that, one, gets reported a whole lot. True. Uh, and two, it'd be very hard to study something like that. This time, this time around, though, study authors removed the negative aspect of the question, choosing to ask more about emotionally neutral scenarios. For example, the odds of the next passing car being the color red. Hmm. Hmm. After switching to more neutral topics, participants across the board still showed an optimistic tendency. In light of these findings, the researchers believe the methods used in previous research claiming to prove optimism bias were invalid. Our experiments show that the method commonly used to evidence such optimism is flawed, giving rise to optimist, optimistic belief updating. Where optim, th- that word salad is unhelpful. <laughs> there is, of course, evidence for optimism in certain situations, but that is not to say that humans are generally optimistic. Researchers and policymakers have made careers based on the idea of optimism bias, but it is time to reconsider evidence for this psychological phenomenon. And it sounds like the whole problem here with uh, what they perceive as optimism bias was people being asked negative questions and finding those things were generally unlikely to happen to them. Like you're optimistically hoping you don't get hit by lightning Mm -hmm. or you don't get hit by a car or whatever. 
instead of what are the chances the next car that passes by is going to be red? So people were being asked negative questions. They're like, oh, well, that's not likely to happen to me. And it came out sounding optimistic, it sounds like. Hmm. So there's not a whole lot more to this article, sadly. But it's it's interesting so, that when I was, you know, just coming up with examples of this very same thing, I immediately jumped to negative possibilities that could happen to people instead of anything that would have been positive I don't or know. even neutral. I mean, the headline, I think, of the, of this is misleading. The headline here at studyfinds.org, if you have a similar story, uh, says, study cast doubt on theory that people are naturally optimistic. And I didn't hear that in that story. What I heard was... What, and tell me if I mis, misheard this, but I heard that people tend to be optimistic about their chances of having something bad happening to them. Because who would want to believe that, you know, lightning's going to strike them or they'll be hit by a car tomorrow? So obviously people would tend towards optimism on that, I think. Um, and then they also said that people were also optimistic about the chances yeah. of the red car passing That's what by. I'm confused about, too, because I thought that they did say that. It did indeed say, after switching to more neutral topics, participants across the board still showed an optimistic tendency. So, I, I right, think that they, they, that means that they thought the red car would come by more often than it actually did, because they were optimistic about it. I don't even know if optimistic would be the right yeah, word about weird. a belief in a red car passing by. It's like, but red that's car, how it car, would car. be. That's how it would be determined. I, mean, I, I, would, I, th- I think they would use that term to describe that prediction. It, you're optimistic, right? You think the red car is going to come by sooner than it actually does. You're optimistic in that case. It doesn't have to do with positivity. It just okay. has to do with you think you're, you, you're, you think you're more right than the average is in that case. Yeah, the article is definitely misleading. It, it seems to suggest that humans do, in fact, tend to be optimistic. I hope that's true. But the optimistic optimism bias that researchers have built careers around and politicians have built careers around may be misleading because the research was done by asking people negative questions. I that could be. I feel like in real life, I feel like optimistic people are so rare. I, I normally really? have these conversations with people and they end up being a pessimist and I'm like the only optimist. Hmm. Like, is it really optimism to think, oh, I might find $10 million while walking down this? That's not that's not optimism. That's just unrealism. Let's continue the discussion here. If you want to weigh in on uh, what do you think? Is optimism more common than pessimism? Free Talk Live. Talk live. The phones are open here if you want to join us. Talking about uh, pessimism versus optimism. And is that the same as being positive or negative? Is pessimism the same thing as negativity? And is optimism the same thing as positivity? I think that might be an important question to dig into as well. With you tonight, by the way, it's Ian. And Bonnie. And Aria. And also, don't forget to join us online anytime you want. You can express yourself with a lot more freedom over on our social media site at social.freetalklive.com. It is a Mastodon platform, which means that we run the server. It's not some big tech uh, social media thing where some corporation is in charge. No, we run the thing, and it's pretty open. As as long as you're not there to spam, you can pretty much express yourself over there at social.freetalklive.com. And one of the coolest things about it is since it's an open source platform, there's a bunch of different apps. So if you don't like 
one of the apps that you can use on, say, your cell phone, you can try one of like, I don't know, four or five different other ones. There's a nice selection of options out there. So check it out, social.freetalklive.com. Bonnie, was there something you wanted to share about this? Oh, well, I was just thinking about this topic of optimism today because I was reading a Gnostic text. Um, it's supposed to be a tri- Hermes Trismegistus talking to Eclipsius in Egypt. And he says that... Will is the same thing as purpose, will, uh, because gods, which you might don't have to really believe in gods for this to like speak to you necessarily, but gods will things not out of deficiency. So they have everything and are everything. And when they something is their will, it comes to being not out of deficiency. It's because it already is. And since God, people have the spark of the divinity in them, You can have anything you want because you have no deficiency. And that just was really cool to me. I sent it to my friend when I read it. And somebody who is a pessimist would certainly not believe that. Somebody who is negative uh, would not believe. They they would see all their problems. They would focus, in fact, on their problems. And and everybody has issues, right? Like we all are imperfect. They never believe that they can change their life or change what's happening to them Mm. with their mindset. Yeah, that's that's a victim mentality, and that's not uncommon with people. I wonder if that's the difference. Then a a pessimist sort of views themselves as a passive being in a universe mm. that they can't control, where an optimist or someone who's positive views themselves as an actor in a universe where they where they can impact their circumstances and the universe around them. Yeah, Seems that, likely. That's a great point, uh, and that, that sort of comes to the the issue of a reactor. Versus somebody who creates, right? So somebody who is living by default is somebody who is just reacting to the things that come to them. There's always going to be something happening in life. And somebody who's this negative personality that doesn't believe that they can, you know, affect change, they just take the hits and they keep on taking them, right? Until they die. And then they complain. They complain about it the whole time, about how, how terrible <laughs> That's life so is. so sad. I mean, I know I laughed, but... That's so sad. But there are people like that out there. That's a waste of a life. It is. Um, and, and people who are in the elite, you know, they want to use those people. Those are the useful idiots, the tools uh, for people in the elite who are, you know, familiar with a lot of this esoteric stuff about how to create, how that we all are creators, ultimately. And these people want to keep, the, uh, the, these elites want to keep these other folks in the dark about how powerful of a creature that they are, and then use whatever they can from that person, extract as much obedience, extract as much wealth, extract as much work uh, from that person in order to uh, you know, set themselves up more comfortably in the future. And it's, it's tragic what those people do with their ability to create. They use it to take advantage of, of those types of people. And, of course, government systems and government indoctrination encourages this. Well, that's... What they do by design. Yeah. It's and, a, they, they are the mechanisms that these evil people use in order to create mechanisms that extract wealth and ultimately life from, from people. people who are just passive. Yeah, people will fall victim to those type of things because they just want to be comfortable because they think that they can't create anything better than just, you know, being comfortable, not having to suffer that, that badly. Or if they for a moment had like... A spark of a thought of like, oh, I should strike out on my own, open my own business or create this thing, you know, that I can do and I can bring this service or this product or whatever to my community or the world 
uh, and they have some sort of a spark of an idea, well, then the system is designed to shut that down as soon as possible. They are not supposed to think outside of the box. Whoa, buddy, you can't just start your own business. You need to get a license first. Like we were talking about the bit license. Oh, whoa, you can't create a crypto business here in New York State. You've got to have a $100,000 bit license first. Or at least. Or you can't open up a restaurant out of your own home and just serve your neighbors and, you know, give them something good to eat at a cheap price. No, you have to go and get a, you know, a restaurant uh, certificate from the health authority. You have to install a $200,000 vent hood. You have to rent a professional location in the downtown district that we've uh, we've zoned for restaurants. You can't just start this in your own home, like, you know, on zero budget with the things that you already have and work up from there. No, you have to have a half a million dollars that you can put into this. So there have been so many people who maybe they did see an opportunity or felt like there was something they wanted to do, but the system just squashed it right out of them and said, nope, sorry, you can't do that. You just need to work for somebody else for the, your entire life. I mean, that's assuming the average person can even make it to adulthood before mm-hmm. the public school system beats that out of them yeah. because that's in large part what the public school system is designed to do is take that spark of creativity and just and annihilate it. it yeah so no wonder if indeed people are negative or pessimistic no wonder that they are um, although I, a quick search here did reveal a study now to be fair this is several years old this is from 2013 statista.com shows that a uh, survey of adult Americans, now it doesn't, I don't have like the survey size here, but a survey of adult Americans shown that of the respondents, 50% said they were an optimist. 43% say they're somewhere in between and 4% gave the answer pessimist. Wow. That's a, that's really about what I would expect. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Most people want to be positive. Whether or not they're truly optimistic isn't really relevant. That They want to be positive people, so they're going to characterize themselves as positive people. And maybe in some small way, that does make them more positive than negative. Most people would say, I'm somewhere in between. And only a very small fraction of the population would be like, no, I'm a pessimist. I, I guess you're right. When I said <laughs> yeah. that earlier, I wouldn't say that somebody would say, I am a pessimist. It's more mm. they usually say, I'm a realist. And that mm. usually means something bad is going to happen or i can see the bad thing that's going to happen they'll never call themselves a pessimist except like our co-host johnson johnson i would say i'm a realist yeah and i'm not pessimistic at all i i hope that i'm the same way about that as well um if you want to weigh in you can the number here is 603-283-6160 but you bring up johnson he's a great example of somebody who truly does embrace pessimism and somebody who wears it sort of with a badge of of pride essentially really um yeah i remember years ago he came in with show prep about how being negative or being a pessimist actually supposedly makes you live longer so of course oh good the miserable people (laughs) (laughs) but then again you know there's studies out there that show anything you want them to show so you can probably in fact i'm pretty sure i saw as i was searching here a study saying that if you're an optimistic you know you live longer so it just all depends on what you want the study to find more coming up here 603-283-6160 we'll look at the pope on the way do you feel like your country no longer holds your values 
Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. It's Free Talk Live, the number. If you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. You can bring up anything you want. Don't forget, you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. By the way, thank you to The Freeman, who is a silver amp over at the new Amps program you can go to our new patreon over at amps.freetalklive.com that'll take you right to our patreon page and i think we're already up to 40 uh patrons 40 amps nice so thanks to uh, everybody who's made the switch from our old amp system that i unfortunately had to shut down uh, a couple of weeks ago when you, we blew up the old freetalklive.com website and we replaced it with the new amps patreon and you can still join for as little as five bucks a month you can go higher than that uh, for the Freeman is doing five. He's doing the silver level amp. So thank you for that. You can go to amps.freetalklive.com to learn more about some of the perks that you get as a Free Talk Live supporter over at amps.freetalklive.com. Thomas Parisi on the line with us here, uh, calling in from our very own Keen. Go ahead, Tom. Hi, yes. Hi, guys. And um, this is unsolicited, but I want to make sure that tomorrow we have a mayoral race here in Keene, and I want to make sure that people go out there to vote for Aria for mayor. Um, I was telling Aria earlier tonight I plan to write her in uh, because she was unfortunately eliminated from the uh, the lineup technically in the primary that happened a month ago, but that doesn't mean you can't write in somebody, and I do intend to write in Aria. I'm also going to write in Aria, and I, I speculated yesterday on the air that the Republicans just went and voted for that other guy, I forget his name, Zukowski. George Hansel. No, Zukowski, the, oh. the other one. The alleged stalker. Oh, yeah. Because I, I he's easy to beat. I don't think that's it at all. Um, I, I think that Hansel just, you know, he's the incumbent, he's the one everyone knows. Zukowski is a complete unknown that no one knows anything about. Mm. And out of the few people who did vote in the primary, because there were fewer than a thousand votes, mm-hmm. which yeah. is... A quarter of what I got when I ran for sheriff just in the primary alone. So it was a ridiculously low turnout. The ones who wait, actually... Wait, wait, wait. That's a quarter of what you got in the city of Keene or a quarter of what you got in the whole county? In the whole county, to be fair. Okay. But Keene is the largest town in the county yeah. as well by a Keene's fairly large like, margin. I don't know, 17,000 registered voters or something. There's a, there's a high percentage of the population in Keene that is actually registered to vote. Yeah, but it was still a very, very low turnout, and I have no doubt that at this particular primary, it was the people who were more connected, more politically aware. Always. Those are always the people that vote in primaries. I don't know about the last primary, but it certainly yeah. appears to be the case in municipal the Municipal primaries, primaries, yes. Yeah, yeah, municipal primaries especially so. So they knew who I was, and they were like, uh-uh, no, I- anyone else. <laughs> So it, well, it'll be interesting thing- to see what happens, but I don't think it's unfortunate that I got eliminated. I mean, it kind of sucks, but still, just yeah. by filing that $5 and that stupid sheet of paper, 
I managed to cost the city of Keene between twelve and twenty thousand dollars. So I'm Good. totally happy whatever the result of this is going to yeah, be. Yeah, basically you caused the primary I because did. their rules are so Single-handedly. stupid. Single handedly. Like they could just change the system and say, All right, no more primary and put three candidates on the ballot for mayor. But no, the primary has to happen according to the stupid system because they need to have two candidates on the ballot for mayor. Yeah, and I mean, you know, our candidates are there now. One of them is, and I can say this on my own personal accord, he's just some, my brother's jock friend, and he's basically a Chad, and he's, you know, he is about what he's about. All he tries to pump out to people is, oh, he's going to revitalize the community, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, one of my viewers for my jail paper thing sent me in a thing where this guy, and I'm sure, Aria, you screen your, your Facebook friends. This guy is friends, George Hansel, was a convicted sex offender. That was, you know, and it's kind of like you don't even screen your friends out. I don't know. I mean, well, if how could you politi- know that if they didn't have it on their profile, though? Yeah, if you're a politician, I mean, these guys want to be friends with everybody, and I doubt yeah. he is looking at who is sending a, f- a friend request. So it's probably, I mean, I'm the first person to, you know, think the worst of a politician, but I just suspect yeah. that he just accepts anybody who sends him a request. I don't accept it- just anyone because, you know, you just can't do that, but. Yeah. I mean, I've got something like 1,100 friends on Facebook. I know maybe 30 of them, and the rest of them are either <laughs> friends of friends or people who sent me friends requests so when I ran know for sheriff. Sure. No, I don't know. No, I mean any one of them. I'm sure some of them are sex offenders. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, there's a lot worse careful. that you can say about somebody, though. Here, here's one question I I'm have. I'm not going to be careful about who I add on social media, man. If yeah, somebody wants gonna... to judge me over who my Facebook friends are, that tells me a, that I shouldn't be Facebook friends with that particular person. Or real That's friends. That's true. That you have a point there. Here's a question I have, though. Bonnie and I, we've been driving around, and we've been seeing these signs for the current mayor who, as you mentioned, he's, his name's George Hansel. He's a Republican, which is unusual for Keene for a Republican to win anything. But uh, but he somehow you know got elected because mayor, mayor and city council is a uh, what they call nonpartisan, right? So there's no there's yeah. no party letter next to the person's name when when you vote. Um, but the signs say, what are they, Bonnie? Make Keene spend like Washington, George Hansel. What? That's it. No yeah. other explanation. And when I Google it, I see nothing. And I don't understand what that means because to me, that sounds like, you know, a bad thing. Bad. Why would you, like Keene's bad, but it has, like, Washington's a picture of worse. like clouds in the sky or something like that on it. And it's like, just make Keene spend like I thought it had like a picture Washington. of like one of the Washington monuments or something like one of the yeah, buildings. Yeah, it has something that just looks like happy-go-lucky. So it doesn't look like a bad thing. Does he mean he wants Keene to have a military that drops bombs uh, on brown yeah. people? Does, <laughs> it doesn't make East? any sense. Do you, uh, Thomas, do you have any sort of in, insight on what that, I mean, that might mean? That sounds to me, I mean, from just a layman, it sounds like we should be wasting money. I mean, yeah, I We've actually unfortunately gotten into the circumstance where we either have like a weirdo guy or we have a guy that's so insane that he's putting up things that make absolutely no sense. Right. That's how bad it really is. I loved his Sentinel, the thing that he sent to the Sentinel where he spent like a half a page describing his dream to have a radio show and how people could call in and You're talking about the current stuff. mayor or the other guy? Zukowski, the, okay, the, the crazy one who rambles Wait, incoherently. The alleged stalker. Yeah. Is, yes. Is, now, Dude, but, he's, he spends like at least a half a page describing this theoretical radio show where people can call in and play instruments and sing over the air and stuff like that. I'm like, dude, have you ever he, done he radio? Also, he also says, <laughs> he also said, I only read like the first page. You actually read the whole thing. I did. It was like 27 <laughs> pages long. He also says he 
he considers the current mayor to be like his son, like like that he's his daddy. Or they have a like father son relationship <laughs> right. where he is the father and the mayor is the son. Yeah, and then he, and then he like shames his son for being a bad boy. And I mean, it's kind of sad that you know. I lost to that guy. That, yeah. that guy, I lost By him. like 30 That's 30 why votes. I think it's fake. I but, have no reason to think no, that. No, no, no. I totally get it. People want a presidential candidate. And so he's they old. Went, so they went for the babbling old man who's spewing yeah. incoherent nonsense because he reminded them of our president. <laughs> hey, it right? is keen. Well, well, Thomas, thank you very much for having me on the show. I, I wanted to say one last thing. I just got hit with another restraining order. So Jeez. I will let you guys know. I have five court cases this week. So allegedly, just like that crazy guy that's running for mayor, my ones is being mean to sex offenders. But I'm going to let you guys know, and I, I did violate my gag order, but it wasn't Uh-oh. successful. The guy to have me arrested. So I'm still hanging in there. But I appreciate you all doing there. Tomorrow I will be voting for somebody. It won't be George Hansel. Thanks, man. Thanks I for appreci- your support, Tom. I appreciate it, Thomas, and uh, thanks have for the call night. tonight. Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand this sign about make make Keen spend like washington i i said to bonnie earlier today is this an attack sign is this saying that hansel is a big spender and, and that i just don't think so because it has like a nice picture in the background in literal the exact words are make Keen spend like washington george hansel so when that just defeat the purpose of being an advertisement for him. If in it a was way. an attack sign, who would have funded this? It wasn't Sikowski. And and I, have, well I have better out. things to do with my time. But why would Hansel say, you know, a supposed Republican, a supposed fiscal conservative, why would he liken what his vision for Keene is to Washington, D.C.? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like, why, why even bother? He got like 90% of the votes yeah. in the primary. Why? why bother putting signs out at all? Yeah. I mean, the, dude, you have this in the bag. <laughs> Unless you do something monumentally stupid. Right. There's no way you can lose this tomorrow. And I say this as somebody who ran against you. Yeah. You've won. There's you no it. point in having the yeah. election at this point. There's no chance the alleged stalker is going to beat you. That's and I haven't seen a single sign for the alleged stalker either. Right? There's all kinds well, of hands. He said he wasn't going there. to bother with signs and all Because he knows he's going to lose. Right. Right? Uh, you know, if we'd only had three dozen votes, you'd have beat the alleged stalker and you'd be in the, uh, the, the generals. That's, that's literally... All that it takes to win here in Keene is like, you know, a few dozen people. Yeah! Uh, yep, it's Free Talk Live, the number for you. If you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Aria. And Aria, you checked the actual numbers. I was off by about a dozen votes, apparently. Uh, yeah, but it was I, still further away than I thought it was. I, I thought it was more like 48 to 35 or something. I said it was three dozen votes between you and the guy that made it through the primary for mayor here, and it was actually like 23, 24. I, yeah, I don't remember now. Yeah, so basically two dozen. So if we had had, you know... A little more than two dozen activists that were here and they were willing to vote. Some of the people who move just they don't want to vote uh, because they're anti-voting or whatever, like, you know, the captain. Uh, I just don't understand well, that a, mentality, though. He's a mobile. But if he lived in Keene, he still wouldn't vote because he's no. against against voting. I don't know. It's this mentality that somehow the voting thing is uh, going to empower the system or something. It it's a ridiculous viewpoint because. But the you system know, other continue. people are going to vote, yes. and it doesn't matter if Joe Biden got one vote 
or no. one million, he was going to become president either way. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I, so not voting doesn't. It, it doesn't it, stop them. It does nothing. There have actually been towns in which no one voted. That has actually happened. And you'd think like, oh, that's it. The government's going to – these people believe the government's just going to implode upon itself if no one votes. No, they have systems to deal with this. What happened? If no one votes, they just like draw straws. <laughs> like they literally – there's they've come up with this, right? Like somebody out there in a legislature said, hey, what if no one votes? Oh, well, we'll make them flip a coin or we'll make them draw straws or you know something like that. Of course, in most places, people do vote because at the bare minimum, you can expect the politicians to vote for themselves. Sure. At the bare minimum, the government agents usually come yeah, that's out. That's what I was thinking when the vote. agent or yeah, the government agents vote. But every now and then, there's like some freak election where the guy that you know was running for office just didn't make it to the polls, and no one else did either. <laughs> and guess what? The government keeps running because as long as you keep paying them. They're going to keep doing what they do. Yeah, I get not paying them. Yeah. I don't get not voting them. Uh, yeah, totally with you on that. So, uh, Bonnie, you've got a story from Foundation for Economic Education tonight. What do you want to share? It's called What Pope Francis Gets Wrong About Corporate Greed, Global Hunger, and Inflation. I love... I imagine a lot. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what the Pope, who oversees the Vatican, which is one of the wealthiest cities, I think probably <laughs> the wealthiest city in the world... By square miles? Yeah. Yeah has to say about greed greed Mm -hmm. with such a massive platform the pope has an obligation to better inform himself before wading into economic affairs as the head of the catholic church pope francis is an esteemed faith leader and global religious icon but an expert in one field doesn't make an expert in another and the pope's understanding of economics leaves a lot to be desired if his latest remarks are anything to go by Pope Francis recently made a statement on World Food Day that, in effect, blamed markets and capitalism for the persistence of world hunger. Blamed markets, markets for the persistence and capitalism. Of world hunger. <laughs> uh, yeah, the opposite's true. Markets are the reason why we have surpluses. If there's people who are hungry, I would look no further than their government and see why it is that they're stopping people from. One, opening businesses, or two, being able to accept food donations. Because in, you know, relatively free areas of the world, we literally throw away a ton of food, like, every day. Quote, the fight against, this is the Pope, Mm -hmm. the fight against hunger demands we overcome the cold logic of the market, which is greedily focused on mere economic profit and the reduction of food to a commodity and strengthening the logic of solidarity, he tweeted. We must Sounds adapt... Like a bunch of buzzwords. Yeah. We must... I mean, but it's true that the, you know, the market, not that it has a mind of its own, but it uh, turns, you know, food into a commodity and focuses on... Well, food is economic always pro- a commodity. Yeah, yeah what else it is it? It is, and... and uh, the the market favoring economic profit it, he's just saying those things as if they're bad but they are true and good yeah he's pandering to the idea that money is the root of all evil which of course is a typical thing that people say without really I don't understanding. want to hear that from the Pope though because yeah. the Pope is obscenely yeah. rich <laughs> yeah, right covered in jewels and oh no it's not evil when I do it um, but the reality of course is that money's just a tool and that tool can be used for good. And it can be used for bad. And it really just depends on in whose hands 
uh, is the money. And of course, well, the government has historically created money and they have an evil form of money that is debased constantly by their endless printing of it. And, and from now, what I can tell, the Catholic Church has used their wealth to transport child sex offenders across the world and keep yep. them hidden from governments in the eyes of the masses. So again... Again and again and again. Yeah, the Pope is not someone who I want lecturing me on morality. Mm. Nope. He also tweets, We must adapt our socioeconomic models so that they have a human face because many models have lost it. The Pope continued, Thinking about these situations in God's name, I want to ask the big food corporations to stop imposing mono monopolistic production and distribution structures that inflate prices and end up withholding bread from the hungry. I'll agree with him to an extent, like the the practices of Monsanto and all of these other companies like Nabisco and whoever their parent company is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, they, they do some very evil things that are enabled by governments throughout the world. Right, well, Monsanto, with its Terminator seeds that they, you know, restrict people from making a second generation of plants without having to come back and buy new seeds, this is all made possible by patents. Yes, and governments being willing to, you know, shoot farmers for not upholding that patent. Yeah. So, I mean, governments create corporations they empower corporations corporations are a creation of the state the state itself is a corporation so we shouldn't be surprised when corporations act in the way that governments incentivize them to absolutely not in pope francis is telling the cold logic of the market is the main barrier to eliminating world hunger but this argument betrays a woeful misunderstanding of how markets operate and how past achievements in reducing global poverty have been achieved Free markets are arguably the greatest tool to reduce poverty and create widely shared abundance that mankind has yet discovered. All you have to do is look no further than all of the failed experiments with socialism and communism that the world has attempted in the last hundred or so years. Look at Russian communism. Look at the current situation in North Korea where they're still hungry today. They were, you know, eating grass soup yeah, well, Ian, uh, in the 1990s. at least they didn't have a gender pay gap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even we don't even have to look at the failures of socialism, yeah. right? If, if you want to make money, you're going to find the cheapest labor that you can. And mm-hmm. that's that may be in China where you can pay someone five cents an hour or whatever. But still, by doing that, they take that five cents an hour, which is more they were making before. And they use that to buy food. And it lifts people out of poverty. Out of poverty. Yeah. If you... you if you want to, you know, keep the poor and have this system of hierarchy where you're oppressing people, you don't liquidate the poor. And the free market system, by design, it liquidates the class that is the poor and lifts everyone up yep. to where the poor in the United States, thanks to what is not even a free market, have 60-inch televisions and smartphones. Yeah. That's our poor, and it's because of free market trades. Chelsea Follett from Human Progress Managing Editor says no country has ever become rich through charitable efforts alone. Consider India, where the Catholic Church has done much admirable... Hold on, he says this from the Vatican? No, 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 that was somebody else. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, it's, a, it's somebody from Human Progress Managing Editor. She says, consider India, where the Catholic Church has done much admirable humanitarian work. In the 1970s, while Mother Teresa was helping to tend to that country's poor, they were certainly in dire need, as over 67% of India's children were underweight due to a lack of food after india moved towards freer markets in the early 1990s the country's poverty rate plummeted and the share of its 
Children classified as underweight rapidly shrink, falling to around 30% in the most recent figures. So too, And that's largely because, hello, this is Eric from AT&T. Mm-hmm. And those people getting jobs that pay them better than they, what they would otherwise be doing. Yep. Yeah, that's why I always think it's... It's uh, at least ignorant when I hear people say like, oh, you don't want to eat cashews because uh, underpaid people pick those cashews. I'm like, well, do you hate those people? They are voluntarily, you know, choosing to work this job and you want to like, starve them from the, their job. These are people who don't understand e- economics at all. They think, oh, well, because I make $15 an hour, the person in this other country should also make $15 an hour. And if they don't, then they're quote unquote underpaid. Even though what you pointed out, Aria, is that they took that job because it paid them more than yeah. whatever it was they were doing to eke out some crappy living on some, you know, unerable plot of land wherever they're from. And they probably will make $15 an hour eventually, but they have to start at a dollar a day or whatever like that. And their right. economy has to grow to where they can make $15 an yeah, hour. Yeah, and you can't just fake it. You can't just, you know, uh, pass a law that says everybody has to make $15 an hour because, well, we know what happens when that happens. Then you get uh, all kinds of people being fired and you get lower product quality. And I wish we had more time to talk about this, uh, but uh, we'll post that link for you on our social media site over at social.freetalklive.com. We'll see you tomorrow night. Free Talk Live. Join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 27th through July 3rd for the 6th Annual ForkFest at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest is a fork of the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which sold out for the first time in 2021. ForkFest takes place the week after ForkFest, but ForkFest is decentralized, which means that there's no ticket cost and no one is in charge. All you have to do to join the fun is reserve your camping site, RV site, or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 27th through July 3rd. There's no better place to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire. You can find out more at the unofficial website, ForkFest.Party. You can also connect with other attendees on the ForkFest Telegram and Matrix chat rooms, as well as the ForkFest Forum. You can find links to those at ForkFest.Party. We hope to see you there. Forkfest.party.